following podcast is a production of the network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. Welcome to the Herd and Ten podcast. Here's your host, Jake Fratinsky. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Herd and Ten podcast. I'm your host, Jake Fratinsky. You can find me on Twitter at jfortinskynfl. You can also check us out on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Just search Herd and 10 and you will find our stuff there. We are posting daily content on social media. So if this weekly show isn't enough and you're just so obsessed with the Buffalo Bills, please check us out on social media because we're posting daily Buffalo Bills content. Anything that's going on surrounding the team, we are posting about. And lastly, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts and you like the show, please hit those five stars because getting those five stars is going to help us grow our audience. So I would really appreciate if you went out and gave us a five-star review. So for this week, we have an exciting guest coming on just a little bit later, and that's Garrett Ballard. He's an NFL draft analyst for SB Nation, so we're going to be talking all about the draft So I'm not going to spend any time talking about that. But today, I want to spend a little time talking about the offensive line because we know that's a crucial piece to the Bills' success moving forward. It was a big piece to the Bills' success last season, and it will be a big piece of their success this season or this upcoming season. Now, the Bills are taking this offensive line seriously. They've kept a lot of talent. But they've also added a lot of talent because they know they need depth. So I just want to do a quick review of all the additions the Bills have made. So Daryl Williams was up. He was an unrestricted free agent. The Bills went ahead and signed him to a three-year deal. Then you have John Feliciano, also free agent. And he's a guard, not a tackle. So Daryl Williams, right tackle if you don't know. And then you got an offensive guard. And John Feliciano, and he also signs a three-year deal. So you have both of those guys for the next little while. You also keep restricted free agent offensive guard Ike Bodker, who played some of the season, looked pretty good, can only be maybe a starter or at the very least a solid depth option. You still have Cody Ford, who's nearing the end of his rookie contract, but he's still with the team. Don't really know where he will end up. As you know, or if you haven't listened to this show before, I'll say it again. I am not a Cody Ford fan. Don't like him. Honestly, I don't even think he should be on the roster. That's just my opinion. Don't know if that will happen this season. But certainly, if we have a really good O-line, I don't think he should belong in that starting lineup. Now, the Bills have made some additions. They've added two offensive guards in Jameel Douglas and Forrest Lamp, which is the most recent addition. 
Those guys are both on one-year contracts. They've also added offensive tackle Bobby Hart. Now, none of these guys are great talents. None of them jump off the page. They're all small deals. But what I want to talk about here is why the Bills, why Brandon Bean has gone out and signed all of these extra guards and extra tackles. Because yes, we've lost guys like Ty Nisecki, and we need other depth positions. But do we need to be adding this many? Well, what we've learned from Brandon Bean is that he likes to be extra prepared. And in this season, he wants to make sure he has extra guys in case of injury, as well as pushing the other players to play better, creating some competition, creating battles. Even in situations where we don't feel there's a battle, Brandon Bean wants the starter to feel that he has to fight for his job. That's what makes players better. That's how you develop players. You bring in other guys to push them forward. And it should be noted that each of the guys that have been brought in are all veterans that have good experience. These aren't players that don't have experience in the NFL and that don't have experience starting in the NFL. They all do. So they're really key pieces. They're not just depth. They actually could be starters. Maybe they win the battle in the offseason, in training camp, in the preseason. It's definitely a possibility. But there's also the other side to it, which is Brandon Bean knows that stockpiling offensive linemen is the key to stockpiling draft picks. Teams are always searching for middling offensive linemen because that's what these guys all are and that's fine but teams are going to need to fill holes they're either going to need a guy who can start or they're going to have injuries and they need another depth option the bills are now loaded with depth options at the offensive line which means they can actually trade some of these guys for draft capital now i don't necessarily know if it's something that's going to be traded now if these guys are players that will be traded during the offseason, like when you enter training camp or later even in the preseason, because there's two scenarios here. The Bills could be looking to flip some of these guys for draft picks for this upcoming NFL draft. They could also be looking to hold on to them at least as long as they can to then flip them for future draft capital. And I think that it's genius because there's very low risk. The Bills are bringing in solid veteran linemen who can start if need be, but are also on a small enough deal where if they remain as a depth option, they are affordable. And in the best case scenario, you actually trade them for other valuable things like draft picks. Because we know this, the Bills are going to need to be able to have a lot of draft capital to keep an inflow of quality and young players that are not making a lot of money. Because when you're going to have big signings, you're going to have Josh Allen coming up, Tremaine Edmonds, you're going to have a lot of these guys that are going to want to get paid. And you're not going to be able to do it unless you have young guys constantly being added to the team that are cheap options. You need to fill holes with cheap players. And I think that you're going to get some draft picks for guys like this, for Bobby Hart, Jameel Douglas, and maybe Forrest Lamp. Forrest Lamp is an interesting one. I want to spend a little time talking about him because in my opinion he's the best one of those three that have been added 
He's a very solid player. He started all 16 games last season for the Los Angeles Chargers. Now, the Chargers weren't a very good team, but he still started all 16 games. That's important, especially because Lamp has been bashed for being an injury-prone player. He's formerly a second-round pick, but he's had injuries for a lot of his career. But last season, he was finally healthy, and he played 100% of the snaps last season for the Chargers. And he did a pretty damn good job. I have a stat right in front of him here. This stat takes into account his entire career so far. And he has only allowed two sacks and has only been penalized once. We're talking about his entire career. In the few years that he's played, now granted he's had a lot of injuries, but still, he's played, I think it's just over 1,100 snaps. He's only had one penalty. Is there much more that you can ask for? I think there's an argument to be made that Lamp could actually start for the Bills. I'm not convinced that he's the player that's going to get shipped for draft capital because I think he's better than his contract, much better. He's on a minimum one-year deal, and he could actually start for the Bills. Now, I don't see him starting over John Feliciano, but he could certainly beat out Bodker for the other offensive guard position. I could definitely see him start. So I love the addition of Forrest Lamp. I don't know how I feel about Bobby Hart and Jameel Douglas. I mean, the key with those is that draft capital option. The Bills have done this in the past. The Bills have brought in offensive linemen and then traded them even like a month after signing them just so they can flip for a late sixth round pick, a seventh round pick. Because we know what happens with those picks. Sometimes you land a really good player in the late rounds. And sometimes you use that late round pick, combine it with another pick to move up even higher in the draft. So there's a lot of different things you can do. And that's why I like that Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott are on the same page. That they want to bring in as much talent as possible. And then if they don't want to keep that talent, they can always trade it. Because there's always going to be teams looking for offensive linemen that have experience And that can actually start if need be. And I think the Bills now are loaded. I think they should continue to add offensive linemen. I would not be shocked if the Bills go ahead and add another one in the draft. Now, I don't know if it's going to come in the first or second round. But it could certainly come in the mid to late rounds as a maybe development project. Because the Bills, for the most part, have their offensive line set. Or at least they have four of the five players set. You have Deion Dawkins at left tackle. You have Darrell Williams at right tackle. You have John Feliciano at guard. And you have Mitch Morse at center. So those four are pretty much locked and loaded, barring injury. So there's only really one other position that guys are fighting for. And then, of course, they're going to be fighting for that depth position. You look at a guy like Bodker. He was supposed to be a depth option. He ends up stepping up and actually playing when Cody Ford goes down, which in my opinion, was a dream come true. But the point is, the Bills have a very loaded offensive line. Now, they're not loaded with talent. They have some good talent there, but they have a lot of options. So they're well prepared for injuries and they're well prepared to make some trades to gain some draft capital. 
Speaking of the draft, we're going to take a quick break. And then when we get back, we're going to be talking NFL draft with Garrett Ballard, who is, like I said before, an NFL draft analyst. Thanks. It's the gift-giving season, and now there's a great card game that gives you action on any televised football game you watch. Just add your family, friends, and fun, and you have The Drive. Playthedrive.com. If you miss The Drive, you miss the party. Playthedrive.com. Hey, Bills Mafia. This has been a crazy year with a lot of changes. Good changes like the Patriots not sitting at the top of the AFC East. But this year has certainly brought some challenges and has made it harder for us all to connect with our fellow sports fans. If you are a big sports fan like me, then you need to join this new sports fan community called Playing the Field. Playing the Field has developed a dating and community app centered around our sports fan lifestyle. It is a great sports-focused interface from their profile trading cards in your favorite team's colors down to their bubblegum in-app currency. The best part is that right now, while they're still in beta, it is 100% free to join. And you also get extra in-app bubblegum that you can trade in when their premium features get added in a few months. Go to playthefielddating.com and sign up now to buddy up, recruit teammates, or find your MVP. Also, be sure to check out their podcast, The Fan Experience, where they interview sports fans just like you and me and let them share their fan experiences. The Fan Experience is live Tuesdays and Thursdays at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. Or you can catch the replays on Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. You can't have a team without a mate. Go and find one now at playthefielddating.com. Welcome back to the Herd and Ten podcast. I'm joined by Garrett Ballard today. He's an NFL draft analyst for With the First Pick, which is part of Fan Sided. So he's always looking into draft type content. Garrett, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find both you, maybe on Twitter, your social accounts, and where they can find your content? Uh, yeah. So, like you said, I write with uh, with the first pick for Fan Sided. Uh, that's where all my content's going to be, all my articles, mock drafts, all that sort of thing. And on Twitter, you can find me at, at NFL Ballard, B-A-L-L-A-R-D. I'm talking NFL, NFL drafts pretty much all the time. You know, you could DM me, have a conversation with me. It's If you want to talk ball, that's where it'll be. Awesome. So let's get right into the draft yeah. because it's right around the corner. And I want to start with some of the Buffalo Bills opponents. I want to start with the Jets. Because they just traded Sam Darnold. They got a slew of picks. Nothing really of high value. They got, I think it was a sixth round for this year. And then a couple picks uh, for the following season in the 2022 season. But they really didn't get a whole lot. And now you're figuring at this point, they're obviously all in on drafting a quarterback. A lot of people have been saying that it could be Zach Wilson. I want to get your take on who you think the Jets are going to draft. And 
Are you concerned at all, or should a Bills fan be concerned at all with who the Jets are drafting? Does it really matter, or are they still so far from being anything real? Uh, yeah, I like you said, I think it is going to be Zach Wilson in the end. Uh, for a while, it was Justin Fields, but last couple months, and since pro days are hitting full stride and people are seeing Zach Wilson throw, um, it, seems, it seems all but locked in that he's going to be the pick there at two. Um, Justin Fields seems to be slipping down boards and he just keeps on rising. So in terms of how that affects the bills, I don't think it does much in the first, let's say year or two. Um, I like a lot of what the jets are doing. I think they have a good GM and I think they made a fantastic hire with Robert Sala this off season, but in year one, their roster is so far from what it needs to be at to really compete with a team like the bills who is looking to vault into that tier with the chiefs and really really compete for a super bowl championship next year and so when we look at a guy like zach wilson let's assume at this point they're going to draft zach wilson what is he really made of what does this guy bring to the table to a team like the jets and more importantly is he nfl ready is he a bit of a project where is he in his development at this point yeah so when you look at Zach Wilson, you immediately notice the flashy plays that he makes, which is what every single NFL front office is looking for right now. You look at him, he can take the ball, roll out, out of structure, and just make some bonkers throws that will blow your mind. His accuracy is phenomenal. He has great athleticism. He can move with the ball. He can make people miss, but it's really that playmaking gunslinger mentality that he has that really makes him special and what draws people to him uh in terms of nfl readiness i actually have him as qb4 in my rankings i know the nfl is a lot higher on him but i have him behind fields and lance just because of the fact that his footwork he never really seems to have his whole body in sync with each other his upper body will whip around and make some crazy throws but his lower body's stagnant and he never follows through on his throws which is a bit weird um i don't think it is going to be like detrimental to his overall career but when you're looking at what you want quarterbacks to do you look at Justin Fields Trevor Lawrence they have it all synced together they have the full fluid throwing motion they have the accuracy the arm strength uh and Zach Wilson's just a little bit behind in those in those little areas that really round out the quarterback prospect to make them truly NFL ready so year one might be a little bit of a development year uh, it might not go as smooth as some people hope it to be. I'm sure some Jets fans, uh, if he is the pick, will be a bit upset in the first couple of weeks just because that jump from BYU to the NFL is going to be quite substantial. It's going to be need a lot of attention from the coaching staff and a lot of work from Zach Wilson to really make it work in year one if they want that to happen. And so moving on to the Miami Dolphins, they have now traded down their collecting picks and I would argue at this point they did pretty well on that deal they got a lot of picks from San Fran I don't know why San Fran wanted to give up that much but look maybe we'll be laughing at this in time because San Fran lands their quarterback of the future but the Dolphins are clearly set on Tua Tungavailoa at least for the next season so is Tua gonna take that next step does it make sense that the Dolphins have traded down now we know why they've traded down, but was it a smart decision? 
or should they be going for another quarterback? Because in my opinion, Tua didn't really prove a whole lot last season. He played some of the season, and in those games, sometimes he looked good, sometimes he didn't. Now, we know that with rookie quarterbacks, that can happen. But it just seems like he has so much going against him. He's small, doesn't have a big arm, isn't blazing fast. There's a lot of things that he doesn't have. None of his skills jump off the page. So does it make sense that the Dolphins are so set on a guy who really hasn't shown a whole lot and not to mention has had severe injuries in his career and there's no telling when he could go down again. Yeah, that's, that's really the million dollar question is, is Tua the right guy in Miami? And while I do think it was the right decision to stick with him this year, um, next year, it might completely change that. I don't think it's necessarily the right decision to do what the Cardinals did with Kyler Murray and Josh Rosen. And while that paid out for them, most teams, it probably won't pay out uh, just as well for them. They had the perfect system for Kyler to come into. And you look at Tua coming in after a big hip injury that was some thought would knock him out of football and having to sit behind Ryan Fitzpatrick, who, as we know, is probably one of the most consistent backups in the league, able to produce wherever he goes. And, it's a really tough situation for him to come into as a rookie coming off that injury. And then you toss in his weapons. You have a turnstile backfield with no real set running back. Mike Jasicki is a fine tight end, but he's not a game breaker. You have Preston Williams and Devontae Parker, who are two solid wide receivers, but neither of them really fit the mold of what he had at Alabama. You look at who Tua was throwing to Alabama, Jerry Judy, Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddell. Those are three wide receivers who know how to get open. They made things easy on their quarterback. They separated in a blink of an eye, and he could make an easy read over in the middle of the field and get them the ball quickly for them to do their stuff. Uh, Devontae Parker and Preston Williams are two big-bodied 50-50 ball receivers who aren't going to provide that same separation quickness that the guys from Alabama did. So when you look at the trade down, obviously first to outside the top 10 and then back up with the Eagles, I think what they're trying to do is just accumulate as many picks as they can and then get back up into the top 10 so they can get that wide receiver that can get two of that separation quickness that he needs. So assuming that that's the plan that they're going with, right? They're, they're actually going to try to trade back into that top 10 and they need that speedy receiver who's got great hands. Is there someone that you think that they should be going for in this particular draft? Yeah, it's for me, it's Jalen Waddle. I don't think there's a wide receiver who has as much upside and as much year one ability in terms of just elite projection and production that he brings. Uh, you look at what he does well, obviously the speed, elite speed, one of the fastest players in all of college football, destroys angles on DBs and can just blaze the entire football field. That means he's a vertical threat if he needs to be, but a lot of the times people confuse speed with vertical threat only, but Jalen Waddle offers three level threat. You can run him on screens. He has tremendous uh, agility and ability to work in the open field and make people miss. You can run him on slants. And if he can get uh, on the inside shoulder of the DB, he can take that ball and just run the entire way to the end zone. He's truly a three level threat with dynamic game breaking speed that can really make things difficult for a defense. So we're talking about wide receivers here, and the Bills are loaded with talent at the wide receiver position. 
However, we know that with the NFL being now a pass-happy league, you need to have that constant flow of wide receivers. Does it make sense? And will there be any solid receivers that are NFL-ready late in the first round? Because the Bills currently have the 30th pick. Now, we don't know if they're going to stay with that, if they're going to trade up, trade down, and what will make the most sense. But at this point in time, if we're going to say the Bills are remaining at 30 or the Bills have an opportunity to trade up to maybe the high 20s, maybe they get into the mid 20s, is there anyone there that could be a difference maker? Because the Bills, obviously, they have Stefan Diggs. They added Emmanuel Sanders. They still have Cole Beasley. They have Gabriel Davis. They have all these guys, but you always want to be adding more. And especially when you're looking at the receivers, they're old. Right, Cole Beasley's nearing the end of his career. You have Emmanuel Sanders, who's only on a one-year deal, and he's basically halfway out the league. There's got to be another answer to keep that flow going. Is there anyone that you think could solve that late in the first round for the Bills? Oh, most definitely. Uh, looking at the scenario, if they stay put at 30, uh, the first name that jumps to mind is Terrace Marshall Jr. from LSU. He's a bigger-bodied guy, but he's ran a four, three at his pro day runs routes with the, some of the best in the class. He can really, really threaten all three levels of the field. You look at what is so valuable in today's wide receivers, it's dynamic ability and ability to affect all three levels of the field and really be a true every down threat. When you're on the field, you look at Stefan Diggs and what he's able to do with his route running. Terrace Marshall's not in the same caliber route runner, but he's really, really good. He has the body of a vertical receiver who's able to win with 50-50 balls, but he has the speed and route running ability to win like Stefan Diggs does at intermediate and short areas of the field. So if you're really trying to get another dynamic guy at 30 for Josh Allen to target, I'd look at Terrace Marshall Jr. And then in the scenario that they trade up to 22, I'm looking at another similar receiver, not as fast, but maybe the best route runner in the class and Rashad Bateman from Minnesota. Um, this is one of my favorite players in this class. He reminds me so, so much of Keenan Allen and just how he moves and how he runs and can get open. And after the catch with the ball in his hands, it's truly, truly fun to watch. And you might hear that and go watch his tape from 2020 and not be super blown away. But you look at what Minnesota did. They had their quarterback, Tanner Morgan, who had a really tough year this year, uh, would, target Rashad Bateman on only in breaking patterns um, on all three levels of the field. So they were running on glance routes within 10 yards slants within 20. And then they were just run deep posts uh, 30 plus. And you could just tell that Rashad Bateman can get open however he needs, but he was so limited in that offense, getting him an offense with Brian Dable as the play caller and with Josh Allen's arm is going to be take his game to the next level. I like that you talk specifically about getting a dynamic receiver, not just a big body or not just a speedy receiver, but a guy that can do a little bit of everything. And obviously we've seen that with Stefan Diggs and, you know, maybe not everyone is Stefan Diggs, but it's nice that we're focused on. There's more to it. We, we need a guy, maybe more like that Gabriel Davis type, right? Because Gabriel Davis is big but he actually has speed and can get some separation. Yeah. It should be noted the Bills receivers don't need unbelievable separation because you have a guy like Josh Allen who can rocket the ball in there. 
You need guys that are reliable, that can catch the ball pretty much every time. And when you look at the Bills receivers right now, they're guys with good hands. So I like that you talk about guys who could come in and are probably NFL ready. And more importantly, there won't be a lot of pressure for these receivers because they know they're not expected to be that number one. They're not even expected to be the number three. They may only be the fourth or fifth receiver. Like Gabriel Davis, part of the reason why he's had so much success, at least in my opinion, is because there's no pressure. He made some big plays, sure. He had an impressive season, especially for a rookie. But he wasn't expected to do anything unbelievable. I think it was more of a surprise to everyone on how much he accomplished. So my final question for you here is, we're talking all about receivers, and it would be so exciting for the Bills to do that. But knowing the way the Bills go about their NFL drafts, it just doesn't feel like they're going to go with a receiver, even though maybe they should. I want to get your opinion on who they should go with and who you think they actually will go with. Yeah, so if it were me making the pick, I would try and get a corner to play opposite Tredavious White in a heartbeat. If someone's, if like Eric Stokes from Georgia is sitting there, I would take him in a heartbeat. He is fast. He is smart. He is plays the ball fantastically. And I just think Tredavious White being the dynamic playmaker that he is, you need a guy to play opposite him and match his play. And I think Eric Stokes can come in and do that. Uh, in terms of what I think they will do, that's a tough question because I think obviously like we've been talking about receiver could present itself as a need, but right now I feel like they, the front office will be leaning to get a defensive player. Uh, obviously you kept Matt Milano, which is a big, big, big free agent signing retaining him and really eliminating that need for a linebacker that some thought might present itself. If he leaves in free agency, uh, you look at your defensive line, you're getting star Latula back from opting out this year. Uh, your edge rushers uh, is what I really focus on. Um, they're both a bit up there in age, haven't really been producing as much anymore. And at the back of the first round, there are names like Joseph Osai, Aziz Ojolari, uh, Joseph, uh, Joseph Owe from Penn state. Maybe Greg Rousseau, if people like that. Um, the edge rusher class is really, really good at the back of the first round this year, and I could definitely see that being a direction the Bills go. You're obviously more of an NFL draft analyst, but I just, I'm thinking about it. I got one more question that I have to ask you. Do you think the Bills own the AFC East now, even with, we know the Dolphins are probably going to get better this year. And whether it's Tua, even if he doesn't take a step forward, they're obviously going to bring in some other pieces. There's no question they're going to get better. You look at the Jets. Now, yes, they're in a rebuild stage, but they're about to add another really top prospect quarterback and could become another Sam Darnold or could be something really good. And then you have the New England Patriots who have added a lot around their quarterback but have not improved the quarterback position because they've stuck with Cam Newton. So do the Bills own the AFC East? Do they need to or do I or do any of our listeners need to be concerned that the Bills are at risk because they haven't necessarily gotten better over the offseason? Now, the draft is still to come, but just through free agency, yes, you talked about they kept Matt Milano, which is great, but they didn't add a linebacker that's better. They didn't add a defensive end yet that's better. 
They didn't improve anything. They've just retained talent. So do we need to be concerned at all? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. Sometimes uh, teams and their fans specifically always want to see those additions that make their team flashy and better. But retention is huge. Retention is so, so big. And I think the Bills have done a great job keeping who they need to keep in order to repeat what they just did. And looking at the season they had, Josh Allen took a massive leap and was, in my opinion, one of the best quarterbacks and in most people's opinion in the NFL. Uh, I've said ever since Brian Dable didn't get hired for a head coaching job, which is shocking, I said that I might put money down on Josh Allen MVP odds for next year. I think as long as you have Josh Allen and keep surrounding him with good talent and keeping that defense good enough, the Bills are going to be the team to beat in the AFC East. Love that. I, I love when people give Josh Allen the love because for so long, people didn't believe it. Or even when he was getting better, it was, oh, is this a flash in the pan? But I think he's finally crossed that point. And I think you hit it. And, and I was hoping that's what you'd say is that with Josh Allen, you don't have to worry. Yes, other teams around you are going to get better. Things are going to change. Pieces are going to leave Buffalo, especially when Allen signs his monster deal. But if you have that top talented quarterback, you're always at least in the thick of it. You're always going to be competitive and you're hopefully always going to lead the division until someone comes around and can knock you off. But I don't see anyone else in the AFC East that is anywhere near the talent of Josh Allen, at least at this point in time. Garrett, appreciate you coming on. Love talking NFL draft. There's a lot coming up, right? We don't really know what's going to happen. It's exciting because, yes, the Bills are late in the draft, but because their opponents are all high up in the draft, it does make things interesting. I'm definitely going to be watching still the beginning of the draft because I want to know who the Bills are going to be facing yeah. twice, a, twice a year for, who knows, could be a decade. So, Garrett, thank you so much for coming on. If anyone wants to check him out again, Go to his Twitter, NFL Ballard. You can also check out with the first pick. Check yeah. that out. He's always putting out content. If you really want draft content, go check his stuff out now. Because once the draft's done, there will be other stuff. But if you want his predictions and all that other stuff and mock drafts, go check it out. Thank you for having me on. It was a great time.